When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 375 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the stress mess cycle, as well as five steps to get our homes back to functioning. Now, as of today, as of this recording, my daughters have only six days of school left in the school year. And of course, I'm super excited to make memories with them this summer, but there is one thing I am decidedly not excited about, and that is is the messes that they are inevitably going to make. When their home more, my home, our home becomes more unmanageable, right? Said another way, the state of our home on the weekends when everybody's home is decidedly messier than during the week when they're spending seven hours a day at school. I've mentioned many times on the show that mess stresses me out. (laughs) And so today we're talking about bare bones home maintenance for those of you who are like me in which clutter is a major stressor. So we're talking about functional home maintenance so that we can stay out of the mess stress cycle this summer, but really always, always every day of our lives because nobody wants to be in the mess stress cycle. This is the perfect episode to put on while you tidy, and it is a two-part show. In part one of today's show, we are outlining the stress cycle, and specifically the mess stress cycle. What does psychology have to say about the stress cycle? That's part one. And then in part two of today's show, I am outlining five steps to getting your home back to a functional, functioning state. The steps I'm outlining today are adapted from Casey Davis's book, How to Keep House While Drowning, and they are five bare-bones steps that you can accomplish in 20 minutes or less to, again, keep yourself out of that mess stress cycle. So let's get right into part one of today's show, which is, what does psychology have to say about the stress cycle? Now, in scientific terms, a stressor is anything that requires us to burn energy in order to keep our internal systems running smoothly. There are stressors of all kinds in our lives, right? We're bombarded with them every single day. Loud noises, crowds, uh, long commutes, the news cycle, pollutants. I mean, I could go on and on with the stressors that we all face every single day. And the point here is that encountering stressors are normal and stressors 
impinge upon our autonomic nervous system. So when we encounter a stressor, it is totally normal and totally natural for our endocrine system and our heart rate and our breathing to all speed up. Perhaps we sweat, perhaps we shiver, perhaps our pancreas goes into overdrive. And then to promote recovery and to bring you back to baseline, your hypothalamus slows down your digestion, slows down the functioning of your immune system, and also slows down the thinking part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex. So we encounter an external stressor. The stressor makes our internal selves go a little bit wonky. And you might be wondering, what happens if you stay in a stressed state for too long? What happens if the stress you're experiencing is too severe? Well, when you push the stress response, the stress system, too much, too hard, for too long, you may start to experience signs that your body's not returning to baseline, right? Your restorative mechanisms are not as resilient as they once were. So what does this look like in real life? Maybe you find it hard to fall asleep at night or stay asleep or get a good night's sleep. Maybe you notice that you're just kind of irritable all the time. Things that you used to be able to brush off now really, really bother you. Perhaps you find it hard to stay focused. Perhaps it feels like your brain is in the clouds. Perhaps you experience brain fog. Perhaps you are constantly worrying. Perhaps you have intrusive thoughts. Perhaps you're not experiencing the pleasure you once took from simple things. Those are all signs that your own stress system is out of whack. They're signs you're in a stress cycle. And if you're not sure whether you're in a stress cycle or not, the question to ask yourself is, are your go-to self-care activities still working for you? Is that yoga class still bringing you back to baseline? Is going to bed early still giving you that restorative night's sleep that you need to tackle the following day? If your go-to activities to bring you back to baseline are no longer bringing you back to baseline, you may indeed be and a stress cycle. So what's the mess stress cycle then? Because that's what we're talking about today. The mess stress cycle is the term used to describe the phenomenon that I definitely experience when the mess in your physical environment becomes a major stressor in your life in addition to all the other stressors that are bombarding you in your daily life. The mess stress cycle in real life looks like, you know, your home is cluttered and out of control, but you're stressed out and so you can't tackle it right now. And so the mess piles up and then the stress compounds in addition to the mess. And it's like a hamster wheel, more mess, more stress over and over and over again. It's fair to say that none of us want to find ourselves in the mess stress cycle. And the good news here is that if you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, but I'm already in it, I'm in the mess stress cycle, Stephanie. The good news is that we can get out of it in five very simple steps. We can bring our homes back to a functioning state in about 20 minutes or less. So we're going to move into part two of today's show, which again is adapted from Casey Davis's book, How to Keep House While Drowning. I've linked to it in the show notes. So I've taken Casey's major points and I've added my own little spin to them. But a few ground rules here. 
Ground rule number one, we are not opening drawers or cabinets today. We are not doing deep cleaning. We're not doing spring cleaning. We're not doing anything heavy lifting. We're just focused on what we can see in our homes. We are focusing on rooms that we frequent often. So we're not going to the attic or the deep recesses of the basement or even the garage because those areas are not living spaces. Those are more storage spaces, aren't they? So we're staying out of the storage spaces and we're staying within the rooms that we live in. And remember, the goal is not to make our homes pristine. That's not the goal today. The goal is to make our spaces functional. Functional. Functional means different things to different people. Functional to me means that I can walk into a room and not immediately feel my heart rate rise. (laughs) Functional to me means that I can walk into a room and feel as though the conditions of the room are such that I can indeed relax in that space. That's functional to me. Functional is also that in the kitchen, it's not so cluttered and dirty and messy that I can make a dinner for my family. So again, functional means different things to different people, but that's what functional means to me. Now, we are aiming to move through all five steps today in 20 minutes or less. So keep that in mind as we move through. Set a timer if you're easily distracted. Go ahead, set a timer, 20 minutes. Set a timer if you find yourself often getting caught up on small decisions. 20 minutes or less. This is designed to not be a heavy lift. We are going to get our homes back to functional in 20 minutes or less. We're going to do that after a quick sponsor break. Grab your baskets and meet me back here in three minutes. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love 
Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. We're at the point in today's conversation where we are outlining the five steps that we're all going to take to get our homes back to functioning in 20 minutes or less. Now, I said at the outset that this is going to be my go-to method during the summer when my children are home. However, if you don't have children, if your home stresses you out, I want to make clear that we can all be using these steps at any time, not just in the summer. So step one, get your trash bag. Get your trash bag ready, everybody. Step one is to collect the trash. So what I want you to do is literally get a trash bag and walk around your home. Walk around the spaces where you most often frequent and put anything that is legitimate trash into the trash bag. Now I'm talking crumpled bits of paper. I'm talking pieces of tape that are stuck to the rug. I'm talking stuffing from the dog's chew toy that you know, fell out and is now on the carpet, old tissues, food wrappers, markers that no longer are working, legitimate trash. And we're using the honor system here, right? The honor system as in we are actually throwing out legitimate trash and not items that could be repurposed or recycled or donated. We will get to that stuff later. But we're just walking around, step one, go through your rooms and throw out the legitimate trash, Now, I should say here, as I was preparing this episode, I walked around my own home to collect the trash. And this is true story. This is not a joke. I went into the basement. The basement is where my kids often play. And I found a banana peel. (laughs) Yes, I did. It wasn't there for long. I think it was there for like 12 hours. It was my daughter's snack. She's not supposed to eat in the basement, but she brought her banana downstairs and she left her banana peel for me to find. Okay. The banana peel, of course, is something that needs to be discarded. I'm giving you this disgusting example to say that, no, I did not throw the banana peel in the trash. I put it in the compost pile. So just so you know, if you have compostable materials and you compost, make sure you put that in the compost. And if you have recyclable materials in this step, put it in the recycle bin, of course. But we're going around the room and we're discarding stuff that definitely is trash. Trash, recycle, or compostable. If you have older children, it goes without saying. Don't be doing this step by yourself. Enlist their help. Heck, even toddlers can help with this step, right? And if it's the kids who are leaving their trash around like it is in my house, that's a discussion. We're not going to have that discussion now, but that's a discussion. So you've walked around your home, you've collected the trash or the composting or the recycling, you've put it in the trash bag, the compost bin, like the one in your kitchen, or the recycling bin in your kitchen, and then you're going to pat yourself on the back because step one is done and dusted. You've already completed one step in getting your home back to functioning level. After step one, collecting the trash, we're moving on to step two, which is to grab your laundry hamper and do the exact same thing. Walk around your house, collect all the dirty laundry and throw it in the laundry basket. 
Now, I know what you're thinking, because I thought it too. There are different levels of dirtiness when it comes to clothes, right? Some clothes you wore for like an hour and it's not in need of washing, but it's not clean. It maybe just needs to be hung up or put on, you know, a hook. There's different levels of dirtiness. So usually when it comes to clothes, clothes fall on a spectrum, right? Pristine, clean, super dirty. Most clothing items fall somewhere in the middle. I say, and I highly suggest that you do not overcomplicate this step. Just put every clothing item that is on the floor or not in its designated spot into the basket. I don't care if you wore it once. I don't care if you wore it a thousand times. I don't care if you didn't wear it at all. If it's not hung up or not in a drawer, it's going in to the hamper. Now, I have an area in my bedroom. It's the top of my dresser, to be completely frank, where I put clothes that I have technically worn, maybe like for an hour here, an hour there, because I change my clothes a lot. So they aren't what I would consider dirty. And so that's why they haven't yet put them into the hamper. The problem here, though, is that clothes do indeed tend to pile up on top of my dresser. So if I'm in the mess stress cycle, all those clothes are going to go into the hamper. End of story. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my mental energy making decisions about these items. They're getting washed and then I'm moving on. So what I really want you to not do in this step is to find all these clothes and stop what you're doing. Stop going through these five steps to start hanging up clothes. That's not what I want you to do. That would be a distraction. And if you go along that distracted route, you're not going to finish in 20 minutes. So just put all the clothing items in the hamper. Now it's up to you whether you actually want to do a load of laundry right now or not. That's up to you. I once said on the podcast way, way back when that I did laundry all at the end of the week. I no longer do that. I do a load of laundry every single day. One load every day. It keeps me on top of this never-ending chore that we are all united in hating. (laughs) So I do a load of laundry. I hang it up on my line. And then the following morning, I take the clothes off the line and I throw all the clothes onto my bed upstairs. I fold the clothes and put them away while my girls are getting ready for the day. And there's another benefit, by the way. I'm going off on a tangent, but there is another benefit to throwing all my laundry on my bed. And that is that it ensures that it actually gets folded and put away because I can't go to bed at the end of the day until the laundry is taken care of. So that works really well for me personally. That was a tangent, but I'm going back to say to all of you, If after you've collected all the laundry in your hamper, if you want to throw it in the laundry and start a load, if you have the time and mental energy to do that right now, go for it. But if you don't, know that just collecting all the laundry and getting it out of, you know, the floor in your bedroom or the floor in the mudroom or wherever you found the laundry, just collecting it all and putting it in the hamper is enough to satisfy step two. Okay, now we're going on to step three. Maybe you're noticing a pattern here. We're grabbing baskets and we're collecting stuff. For step three, we are walking around the home and we are collecting all the dirty dishes, the dirty cups, the mugs, the silverware, all the kitchenware that is very likely dirty and nobody put it in the sink. 
We all have it, right? Every night I have a cup of tea and a water sitting next to me on the couch while I watch Bravo. And usually around 10, 10 30 when I go to bed, I'm too tired to walk to the kitchen with these mugs. That is sounds so sad when I say it out loud. That sounds so lazy. But it's true. My cup stays there. In step three, we are collecting those cups and mugs and other kitchen items. Now, what do you do with these items once you collect them? Well, you can either do one of three things. Number one, just put them in the sink and leave them there. For me personally, though, a sink full of dishes is a major stressor for me. Uh, It's a trigger, if you will. I am not going to be putting these items in the sink. I'm going to be not putting them in the sink at all. I'm going to be putting them straight into the dishwasher. They are not making a stop in the sink. They are passing go. They are collecting $200 on their way straight to their final resting place, which is the dishwasher. But maybe you don't have a dishwasher and maybe you don't have the time right now to do a sink full of dishes. If that sounds like your reality, then that is okay. Know that getting the dirty kitchenware out of the places in your home where it doesn't belong is good enough when it comes to getting your home back to a functioning state. So let's let's recap up to now. Step one, you collected all the trash. Step two, you collected all the laundry. Step three, you collected all the kitchenware. And now we're on to step four. After you've finished step three, your home should be looking and feeling better. But step four is where things get significantly better. And in step four, you're getting another basket. Shock and surprise. (laughs) You're getting another basket and you're collecting all the items that are out of place and have a designated place in your home. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about all the items where you know where they go. They're just not currently put away yet. So a book, you know where a book goes. It goes on the bookshelf. Or your headphones, you know where the headphones go. They go in your desk drawer. Or pencils and pens, yep, they also go in the desk drawer. The stuffed animals, they go in your daughter's room. So I'm talking about collecting the stuff that's out of place. And you know where it goes. Now here's the key. Here's the key. Because usually when we collect things that are out of place, we feel the compulsion to put it away right? But that takes time, especially if you have a lot of stuff that's out of place. So the key to step four is to not put the stuff away. Instead, keep it in the basket and instruct your family members to take what is theirs out of the basket and put it away themselves. Now, disclaimer, of course, for young children, that might be too difficult for them. But my point here is that home upkeep is not only your responsibility. Caring for your shared family home is everybody's responsibility. There is often a default housekeeper in every family. And in my family, I am definitely the default housekeeper and I'm sick of it. The reason I think that I have just taken on this role of default housekeeper is number one, that I am the only person who tends to see the mess. And number two, I'm the one who's home all day long by myself, so I feel as though, you know, it's easier for me to just put everybody else's stuff away. Well, I'm saying it loud and proud. I'm not doing that anymore because I'm sick of it and I'm tired and it's not only my responsibility to keep our house functioning. So enlist help and enlist it often. Caring for the home is everybody's job, not just one person's job. 
So you have a basket, perhaps it's overflowing with stuff that needs to be put away. Tell your family members to rifle through the basket and take out what's theirs and put it away where it belongs. That's step four. Of course, if there's stuff in there that's yours, you're responsible for putting that stuff away. And then finally, we are on to the final step. Step five, you're going to grab one final basket, okay? And you are going to collect all the items that are lying around that you don't know what to do with. Another way of saying this is you're going to collect the items that do not have a place. Maybe it's sentimental items that you want to keep, but you don't know where to keep it long term. Maybe it's the items that tend to derail you, again, because they don't have a place, likely. Perhaps it's the items that make you stop dead in your track. You're holding the item in your hand and you just don't know where it goes. Walk around your home and collect all of those items, items where you don't know where to put them. Now, as you're doing this fifth and final sweep, because that's what it is, it's a fifth and final sweep of your home, you may decide that, oh, this magazine, this magazine is actually trash, or it's actually recycling. Go ahead in step five and recycle it. Or this pillow, perhaps, this throw pillow. I actually don't want or need this. This is a donatable item. So take that donatable item. You know what it is. You know where it goes. It goes in the donation box, wherever you keep that. So go ahead and put that in the basket of step four, the items that have a place, because that pillow actually does have a place. It's the donate box. But even after you've made those decisions, it's quite likely that you have a basket with clutter in it. Sometimes our belongings do indeed become clutter because we've never chosen a place to put these items. Perhaps it's clutter because there's no organizational system in place to hold these items. Now, if you get to step five and you're tired, you are mentally taxed, please know that you do not have to make hard decisions about any of the stuff in basket number five right now. You could simply collect it all in the basket and put it aside for a day or a time when you feel ready. Uh, when, and when I say this, I'm reminded of an episode I did a long, long time ago. It was called The Shoebox Method. I'll link to it in the show notes. But essentially, my guest said that what she does at night is she pours herself a nice glass of Chardonnay. She sits down with the items that she's collected throughout the day that don't have a place Uh, She puts on the television, and as she's watching TV, she goes through a shoebox's worth of stuff every night, and she makes decisions. She has way more than a shoebox's worth of decisions to make, but she makes the task manageable by just doing a small amount every single day. So know that that's an option for you. You do not have to do this now. You do not have to make hard decisions now. However, if you are motivated, if you've gone through steps one through five, you're feeling better, you're feeling energized, you can start asking yourself some questions. Why am I keeping this? Is this actually junk? If it's something I need to keep, where should it be kept? Are there like items that I can stick this item with? But just know that asking those questions and making those Likely difficult decisions are a bonus step. They don't need to be done now. And so for the times when you do feel ready to tackle the clutter and put organizational systems in place, just know that I have covered those topics so many times in 
previous episodes on this show. I will link to them in the show notes to help you as you move on to creating organizational systems for items that don't currently have places in your home. So my final word for you today is that we all want pristine living spaces, right? I certainly do. I spend the vast majority of my time within my own four walls and I want it to look and feel good inside this home. However, let's all keep the big picture in mind. Nobody is going to say at our funeral that our homes were pristine and perfect. Nobody's going to say that because that's not a flex in the grand scheme of things. The big picture is that we have a home that functions. The big picture is that we have homes that set the stage for us living the types of lives we want to live within them. That's the big picture. When we keep the big picture in mind, I realize that it's less about pristine Instagram-worthy spaces and more about having functional spaces that enable me to spend quality time with my family. Steps one through five allow me to bring my messy home back to that functional state. So we will be back tomorrow where we are discussing PFAS chemicals. We're discussing cities in the United States that are sinking. We're discussing lots and lots of stuff. I will see you then. As always, please reach out if you need me. The way to do that is in the show notes, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 375. Reach out if you need me. Say hello. See you tomorrow and take care.